Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation. Featuring your extremely good-looking co-hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep. Oh, good evening. Hey, friends. Hey, friend. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. We are going to have a fantastic evening, Wes. I'm excited. You should be, because not only are we surrounded by multiple, multiple barrels of deliciousness, but we also have two really great people on the Get Deep podcast tonight. Um, I would consider them friends. They are also early believers in the Get Deep podcast for Wes and I, um, as far as our spirit sponsor or our drink sponsor. And that is Kent and Jane Schwickert. Welcome, you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's our pleasure. We're super, to, super excited to have you on. We've been, I think this was uh, uh, the second time we you know, tried to get you on here because <laughs> you guys are hard to catch. It's Kent, not me. Is it? Yep. You got you to gotta have a, um, what am I trying to say? You got to. Oh, I thirst for awesome. frequent flash miles. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We're, we're excited to learn about, obviously, the Chankaska story, but part of what we do at the Get Deep podcast is also get into who are Kent and Jane behind the wine, behind the spirits, what are your passions, you know, of course, why, why did this become something that you wanted to pursue as well as the other things you're already involved in, things like that. So, um, Wes... Well, and that's, I was going to say, that's the fun part for me, not knowing as much about you guys. I know Aaron is a, a friend, so for me, this is very new, which I think is always a nice take when someone, as far as the host is concerned, knows the guest well so that they know what questions to ask, and then the other person doesn't know them, because now I get to ask the questions that the audience might not know as well. So we're probably going to weave around through all kinds of different topics. It'll be, It'll fun. be fun. We'll bounce. Perfect. We'll bounce. So... <clears throat> 2008, we'll start there. It's a good year. Was it a good year? It was a pretty good year. It was a pretty good year? Yeah. Right? Uh, anything big happen on the Schweckert front in 2008? Well, I um, started romping around the countryside looking for something that I thought would be a neat idea, and that was a winery. Startup winery. I always had a passion for the wine business. Um, always had a great interest for the wine business. Did a lot of research about it, uh, learned from it, um, and um, just thought it was something that, that uh, was interesting. I, I went in and looked at the statutes of Minnesota law and realized that there were some benefits for Minnesota wineries. And so um, uh, we started looking around, and, and I was always one who was interested in uh, investing in new ideas and, and taking some risks. I'm the one in the family that had a tendency to do that. And a friend of mine who is a real estate agent in town said to me, he says, you know, there's a, there's a building that's uh, for sale and you might want to go look at it. It's called the Country Pub. And um, so I went out and looked at the Country Pub building and a little run down and, uh, and the property was a little beat up. But I said, you know, this is kind of interesting. And, but as I walked around the property, I actually walked to the, uh, to the east of that property and found another piece of property that uh, was owned by a private owner, and I just fell in love with that property. 
And I was at the point where I could even consider buying it and not even put a winery on it. But I just thought it was just a beautiful piece of property. And um, fast forward, we, we made an offer to this uh, gentleman, this young gentleman of about 94. And uh, he turned me wow. down flat. <laughs> so I said, okay, move on. One deal, on to the next. And um, about uh, six months later, he knocked on my door at my office and said, uh, is that deal still there? And I said, yep. And he said, okay. Shook my hand and we went forward from there. So that's, that was the beginning of uh, Chankaska. Um, and so a lot of things evolved from there. I brought on some local investors. Um, we ended up actually purchasing the country pub property after a while. Uh, it had gone into receivership with the bank. And uh, we picked it up from the bank. Um, it was kind of funny because I was with a, one of our investors, Tim Fox, and uh, we were cleaning all the, the stainless steel and copper out of the country pub. I'm known for doing a lot of that uh, stuff that people don't like to do just because I like to do it. And uh, we were trying to salvage some precious metals, and we were outside, and we were rubbing the sweat off of each other, and we looked up, and we heard this sign creaking back and forth. It was a sign that said, Chankaska Creek Ranch. And it hangs in our uh, tasting room. And I looked at it and I went, well, that box has been checked. So let's move on. And so from that point on, we, uh, we started to um, plant vines. And um, the rest is history. Can you talk a little bit about what you loved about the property that made you so interested that you went and made that offer? You know, uh, it was, it was uh, the, the, the crick had a lot to do with it. Um, the fact that uh, the name, Chankaska, is uh, Dakota Sioux for forest edge or forest enclosed. It had a real f neat feeling to it. I'm sure I've been criticized for picking up the name because it's hard to say and people look at it and go, are you in Chanhassen or Cheska? <laughs> but um, it is what it is. Uh, we did what we did. And um, can't, we've got to live with that. But um, it, it's just a beautiful piece of property. I remember... Um, when I drove down into the property with Jane, I think you can remember this, and she was like, oh, geez, what, is he, what is he doing now? <laughs> and we drove down the driveway, and we came down around the corner, and she just went. I love it. I understand. I know why you want to do this. Okay. Yeah. So, bam. But also, it wasn't. So Kent and I had our groom's dinner at the country pub 33 years ago. So the country pub had a lot of meaning to us and um, a lot of special memories there. And so that, that all made sense. And That's I, super cool. I loved that, but I still didn't want to start a winery, and I didn't really understand his vision. But when he said, just wait, let me take you there, and what I'm thinking, and when I saw the um, homestead and the chicken coop, and that whole other property, I said, oh, okay, I get it, love it. So, Did you have other hesitations outside of before you saw the property when it came to starting a winery? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to do it at all, and I was probably a little mad that he was considering it because we had a busy life I mean we have a busy life but we still had kids at home and um, a life and a little crazy life and I'm like why the hell are we going to do this and so I was a little bit um, 
angry probably and not for it. But I've also been married to him for 33 years and I knew that I either had to hop on that train or get the hell out. And so I hopped on the train and here we are. Choo-choo. Choo-choo. <laughs> yeah. So obviously a passion for, um, for wine. Um, as I go back, do you remember how long ago the passion for wine for you was, Kent? I mean, was it something that ever since you could drink, you were into wine? Or, I mean, was it just no. in the last 10 no, years? absolutely or? No, not. He was, no. a, he was a beer drinker drinking keg beer at 12, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Doing keg stands at 12, my kind of guy. There we go. Didn't do a keg stand. Okay, sorry. Okay. It did on my 60th birthday. Yes, you did. Did you really? Yes. Wow. Your 60th? Yes. Is there any pictures? We need uh, some evidence. There is. There is. <laughs> <laughs> There's a framed picture right there, actually. Wes, look. <laughs> he did do a keg stand on his That's 60th fantastic. Um yeah. But the answer was no. You know, um, wine is something you acquire uh, a taste for. I, I'll, I'll never forget one of the first, uh, we went on a cruise. And um, I had just started drinking wine a little bit, but I was drinking sweet wine. And thought it was kind of cool to drink wine because that, that was the thing to do. And I remember the, um, the wine sommelier on the cruise ship handing me the wine list. And he said, um, what would you like? And I said, well, I want leaf from mulch, <laughs> which is such a sweet, sweet German blah. wine. Yeah. <laughs> but I sure sounded cool to everyone else at the table. Sure. You, know? you probably can't drink it now, can you? Uh, I'll do it on a rare occasion. <laughs> sure. <laughs> if there's nothing left. No, <laughs> just kidding. But we drank that on our honeymoon, so that's what we knew. We yeah, were we in did. Germany for our honeymoon, and we drank True. leaf from mulch. So... Was there a place that you uh, traveled to, though? You guys are well-traveled people. And um, was there a place that you traveled to, though, that was kind of sold you on on wine more than another place? Or was there a place that sold you on the possibility of doing this, this, this wine business, this wine venture that you said, you know, I think we could do this? I started collecting wine. Okay. Okay. And so then I got really kind of interested in wine. Um. And I had quite a collection of wine, um, which put me and us out in Napa Valley a lot. Um, a close friend of ours uh, had a, f- a fraternity brother of his. They went to UC Davis, and he was a winemaker out there. And, um, you know, the more I asked, the more I got intrigued by it. And um, it just kind of kept rolling from there. Did you collect the wine purely as an appreciator of the wine or was it are you like my father who likes to collect for the sake of collecting it's a bit of a passion well it started out that way you know i thought that i mean at the time you know uh you could buy a bottle of uh, a napa cab or you could buy a really nice barolo from italy and um you could read in wine spectator a year later and it's worth fifty dollars more because there was a craze uh, in the dot-com era, you know, this is 97, and, and I was buying a lot of 97s, and those were just the, the best wines Napa produced during that, that decade, and they were going up like crazy, and so it kind of felt like you were collecting them, but the reality is that, you know, to collect that and keep on that path is um, kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, we sure enjoy them now. So we collect and drink. Yeah, <laughs> ours is our wine cellar is like a glacier. It advances and retreats. <laughs> sure, I like that analogy. That's yes, good. Very much. I love it. Uh, yeah, we're actually technically sitting in their sitting in their wine cellar right now. Uh, this is the most unique wine cellar I've ever seen in my life. This is a barrel uh, room. Yeah, yeah, I know. But this could be an extension of your wine cellar. We could call it that. You guys won't run out for at least a few days, by the way. This looks pretty good. I think we're covered. Yeah, yeah I think you're good. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I want to be here if uh, shit goes down outside. So Yeah, well, we were uh, two weeks ago. I was down here with customers during the tornado warning. <laughs> so, oh, I suppose. Yeah. This is the, yeah. yeah, this is the spot. This is the spot to be. I don't know if we mentioned it. Did we mention in the beginning of this podcast that we are currently sitting in the barrel room um, out on the Chankaska property? Uh, with Kent and Jane and Wes. Um, it's pretty sweet. It's uh, I've been in here before, um, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, for an event that Kelsey Long was doing some talk education at. Um, but anyways, it's a really cool room. I don't. Do you know how many barrels are in here right now? Do I was just idea? thinking of that. I, we, we have about 350 barrels of wine and spirits, and they're in a couple places. And the majority are in here. Gotcha. So there's probably about 250 in here. Each one's about 53 gallons. Uh, behind you uh, is is some some rye whiskey and some bourbon, and all around us is a lot of wine. It's a pretty cool place to be. I mean, I love this room. Have you guys ever played hide and seek at the winery? That's no. a question all of our <laughs> listeners have been asking. Ask them if they played hide and seek. Absolutely not. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> no, but I'm sure our kids have. Right. I, well, I hope so. Yeah, I hope yeah so. probably. Yeah, that's great. Probably. Well, that's cool. Um, so, previous to Chankaska, um, obviously, you guys both had uh, busy careers. You're both, you know, um, Jane, you were a nurse correct? Um, a nurse practitioner? Is that? Not a, a nurse a practitioner. Nurse? I was an RN. Okay. Um, and then at a point in my career, I was certified in infection control. So I was a infection control practitioner. So when the meningitis outbreak happened in the Mankato area. Wow. And Who told you about that? Because you're young to know that. Well, you, uh, you gave me my shot and I'll never forget your face. <laughs> Because it hurts so bad. And then I peed yellow. Or orange. Sorry. Orange. I was going to say, isn't that normal? No. I don't. Um, I may have gotten a tip about that. But um, can you talk about how that yeah, was? Yeah, like, I mean, it was, it was a very significant time in my career. I mean, I think a lot. Uh, there's a lot of people that are in my life now that know nothing about my previous life as an RN. Um, I... Um, got my first job as an RN in Rochester. I graduated from Mankato State, and Kent and I were dating at the time, and I graduated, and I got my first job in Rochester. So I worked as a surgical nurse in at Rochester Mayo in a thoracic and peripheral bypass unit. Loved it. Worked there for a few years, and then came back to Mankato because we got engaged, and I worked in the OR and I was an OR nurse for another few years. And then I went and I um, got the position as infection control practitioner at the hospital here in Mankato, ISJ. And I then, um, that was when I had Ian. 
our first, um, our first son. And I was on maternity leave. And I was on maternity leave for five months. And during that time, I took my certification for infection control. And so I studied and took the certification and passed and everything and then came back to work. And I was at work for two weeks, had just um, had our au pair. We hired an au pair from Germany, who is now my best friend, Anna Franz. We hired an au pair from Germany who came over. She was there for um, a couple weeks and she was there to take care of our son, Ian. And then I went back to work and... I was home, it was a Saturday, and I got a call from the intensive care unit from a nurse there that they had a couple kids that were very sick and they weren't sure what was going on. So I came into, came into work and kind of looked over everything and looked at their charts and realized they both had meningitis. And so I called our health department and reported that, talked to them, and then that Sunday, uh, I was organizing a committee uh, from the health department and our nurses and everyone, and we realized we had a meningitis outbreak on our hands. So it was a very uh, a stressful time. I mean, I had a five-month-old at home. I had been I was called away for long bits of time, and um, was orchestrating a a whole situation here. And um, and then I had this au pair from Germany who, was, who had only been with us a little bit and was re- relying on her a lot. And But it was also probably the most significant moment in my professional life because I was, you know, part of something very significant and, um, you know, was became known around the world, actually, for what we did in Mankato for the meningitis outbreak. So, What were, what were you guys known for doing, the, how you handled it in, yep. in the program? And the, Can you share a little bit about that, uh, what you guys... You know, it's funny. I, I didn't really know that I was doing anything great, and, um, but I remember coming home that evening and thinking, okay, I have to come up with every kind of question that people are going to ask and I have to have an answer. So I came up with our whole question and answer sheet. We formed a phone bank at the hospital. And so we had nurses staffed at that phone bank and then we had this question and answer sheet so they could answer calls and, and answer um, you know, knowledgeably about what was going on. And so that that was the the biggest thing, and then it was just a you know starting to work with public health and putting things together, and you know it was very much a team effort. But it, it, you know at the time I didn't really know I was doing anything significant, but it certainly was a you know a, a significant point in in my life and in my profession. So well, you got to work with some internationally renowned people too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dr. Mike Osterholm, who is now a dear friend of mine, he was the, um, I don't even know, I mean, he was... State epidemiologist. Yeah, state epidemiologist at the time. Now, you know, now he's um, a consultant with the World Health Organization and with the, you know, um, government and administration, and he's been very 
you know, active in the whole COVID yeah, and he's all been of that. He's been on a big stage he's, in the last couple of years for sure. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, that's who I got to work with. And, and, and actually after the meningitis outbreak, I went to work for him and he, uh, developed a company called ICANN. It was Infection Control Advisory Network, and it was a web-based company. And so I went to work for him, and I did content writing all about infectious disease and infection control. It was my dream job, honestly, and because I love to write, and I absolutely loved it. And so I went to work for him, and it only lasted a few years. It was the whole dot-com area and, or um, time. And it eventually went under. And so then it was at that time, then I stayed home and took care of my kids for a while. Yeah, but it didn't quite go under. It got bought by WebMD. Yeah. Oh, really? But okay. Yeah. Never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> pretty big, pretty big yeah. player. So yeah. it was, you know, it, it, it <clears throat> is a um, major time in my professional life. And I'm very grateful for it. It was very stressful. Um you know, my, my, I mean, Mike Osterholm is one of my mentors, as is Annette Macbeth, who um, was the director of nursing at the hospital at the time. And, you know, she is now a Wine Circle member here and, and has been since the beginning. Um, so, it, you know, I'm very grateful for that time, but it was also a very stressful time. I can imagine. Were you fearful? I mean, you, you were in the midst of all of it, going through it. Like you said, it, it seems weird to think of yourself as uh, you didn't quite say hero, but um, really with the way that the community had to come together and the things that you guys had to do, it's, that's a huge, huge part of how how we got through that, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're in it, you don't always see it that way. Um, what is the biggest takeaway that you could say from that experience that and that um, changed you as a person or you went forward thinking about infectious disease or, or your profession in general? Yeah, I know. I think the, um, the thing I learned is that, you know, community is very important and, um, we were very community focused and we wanted to protect our community and we wanted to do the best that we could for that. So I think that's what I learned the most. Um, it's been interesting now with COVID. I haven't necessarily agreed with everything um, surrounding COVID. So, you know, I'm in a totally different position during COVID than I was then. So that's been really interesting. Um, I'm still all about protecting the community and doing what's right and getting the appropriate vaccines. But in COVID, I was in a business and... I think we were unfairly targeted um, due to an infectious disease. So it's a little, you know, it's a little controversial, but it's a real interesting dynamic to be in because I've been on the forefront of a outbreak, and um, this outbreak, I've been owning a business and trying to run a business, and it's a different perspective. So, you know, it's it's interesting to lived through both of those situations. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, all of our livelihoods, <clears throat> sorry, all of our livelihoods were affected during that time. That right. was, uh, you talking about COVID? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. yeah. 
I mean, every one of us had to shut down in some capacity. I think you guys, that was one of my questions I was probably going to get to later on, but I imagine the liquor industry, uh, and I would assume the wine industry, also did quite well when it came to retail sales. Um, At least that's what the narrative was. Um, But obviously you have this beautiful facility that you do quite a great deal of business through that couldn't operate at all, right? Right. Right. And and, and and then just understand that we're a really young company in the liquor business. And what you saw during COVID was a flight to to um, to back to basics, the, the, the brand names. I mean, people went back to, um, they went back to, I think people felt that, that the end of the world was coming. And so they wanted to string out that liquor budget they had. And so they would go to the cheaper brands sure. instead of going into... Craft. Um, craft and things like that. Now, some people did go eventually totally craft, and I think there's more bourbon that was sold during <laughs> COVID than you can, and is collected now. I, I'm a part of that group. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but, um, you know, what you saw a, a lot of uh, the liquor stores spending, or shouldn't say spending, but they sold the most of was the, the, the big brand sure. names. I mean, we, we were actually a, a casualty of COVID because at the time, we had just been placed into Myers grocery chain, which is a chain based out of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we were already in 250 of their stores in, in eight States and were approved to add more product into more States. And uh, the spirits buyer uh, left the original one, left the company and the new one came in and the new one that came in was strictly a data guy and basically took their entire set and completely redid it and and pared down all kinds of took out all kinds of brands out and so we were a casualty of it wow and so being a new kid really killed us yeah you know um and it hurt us even more here because we you know this is this is in the in the wine and liquor business wine and spirits business what you you start out with is where the majority of your sales are really coming from your home base right here. Right. And then as you grow, you go to distribution and eventually distribution becomes the, what pays all the bills. Right. And, and, um, we never have gotten there yet. Sure. That's been the challenge. So COVID just kind of stopped us in our tracks. Yeah. That would, that would be very tough. Um, we keep trying. Oh, we're swinging. Yeah. I was going to say, what did you guys try to do or you know how did you pivot if you could i don't know if you really could because to a certain extent the government had your hands tied but i know aaron over here was dropping packages at doorsteps we uh we eventually opened at a limited capacity which i'm sure you did too but what what pivots were even available to you well the 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 biggest pivot was we could have gone into making hand sanitizers Mm. We but, thought about it. Yeah, we did. We thought about it real hard, but the reality is that the uh, quality of hand sanitizer that we would had to make with our still, our still wasn't uh, that, didn't have enough plates to actually refine the, the alcohol down enough. And so in essence, sure. we would have had to buy alcohol and mix it and then try and sell it. And I looked at that and I went, okay, this thing isn't going to last that long. No. And the people that are already into it are already into it. So I don't think I want to jump into something with both feet when we're in a tough situation as it is and try and figure out how I'm going to, you know, it it almost became a reality that you might have been better off 
putting your head underneath the covers and hunker down and hope the hell it blew over. That's pretty similar to what CJ said when we had him on the episode. He said, you know, hindsight, I would have said, close down completely. Yeah. Don't don't worry about anything. Just, you know, cut the bleeding, stop the bleeding rather, and do any remodels that you knew you needed to do because that was your best time. You knew you were going to be down for that long. You know, that, so. I mean, that's a good point, and we know CJ very well, and... That's a good point. You know, we one of but one of the things I feel proud of is that we kept all of our managers on during that time and you know, they were painting, you know, doing maintenance. They were making phone calls to try to sell wine. They were delivering. They were you know, we just tried everything to keep selling wine and to keep our people busy and make this place better and try to ride the tide. And I mean, I feel proud of that, but it also, you know, it affects us, it affected us. Yeah. Well, and it, it just never kind of stopped. Yeah. Right. You know, there was this continuous, um, you know, start, stop, start, stop. And, and, and it was, we, we all know what we're talking about. Confusing messages. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. acceptable, what isn't, yeah. <clears throat> Who's to blame and who isn't, right? Right. Yeah. No, well, we're, I think we're all glad, yeah. <laughs> frankly, that uh, you're not a, a full-on casualty yeah. and that you're still here and we're enjoying these drinks tonight. So Yeah, yeah well, these are delicious. That. These are delicious, by the way. So uh, that's our distiller's yeah. Manhattan. And, oh, I'm so bad, but don't ask me exactly how it's made. <laughs> I had our spirits room manager make it, and he had it all ready for me, and he said, Jane, all you have to do is add a big ice cube. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can do that. Um, but, um, yeah, hope glad you're enjoying. It's super good, and uh, since we're talking about the drink right now, um, normally during a, a normal podcast with other guests, we, we always take a moment to do a shout-out to our, our spirit sponsor, we call you guys our spirit sponsor because when we talked, Jane, I, I said, every, you know, people, everybody knows you for wine. Yeah. But and not that most people don't know you for spirits as well or what you guys do on the other end of it with the, the, the spirits room and, um, and whatnot. But uh, if you guys are cool with it, it doesn't matter. Either one, you, Kent or Jane, whoever, or both. Um, normally, I give a little shout out to our sponsor and talk about why people should come out here where you're located, you know, kind of an elevator pitch, if you will, for 60 seconds, 10 minutes. You take as much time as you want. I don't give minutes. a shit. Holy shit. You're the sponsor. <laughs> you can do what show. you want. Yeah, take it away. <laughs> oh, well, I'll say something. I mean, um, I think we have something to offer for everyone. We have a tasting room where you can get quality wine. We have a spirits room where you can get craft cocktails. We have a beautiful... Um, tasting room and spirits room and deck. And then we have a beautiful patio with a fire pit. And if you come out here and walk around with your wine or your spirit drink, our grounds are looking amazing mm -hmm. right now. And I have to give a shout out, shout out to Josh, our vineyard um, manager, grounds and vineyard manager, because um, and all of his staff, because it's beautiful out here right now. And there's no better place to have craft cocktail or a glass of wine or pizza than right here at Chankaska. 
So that was much more beautiful than when this guy does it. So <laughs> thank you for that. Okay, good. I do my best, but uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty good, Jane. I have to admit. Okay, thank you. Well, Ooh. and I'll have to second the beautiful grounds piece. I was just out last weekend with uh, my buddy Jordan Powers, and. Um, we were just looking at the grounds and we were trying to guess how many staff members were in charge of just the maintenance, you know, whether yeah. it was lawn or trees, bushes, flowers. You just have so many different aspects that look meticulously cared for, yeah. but people probably don't realize that there's a ton of effort that goes into that. Well, and that's part of the vision. I mean, I, I really, there's a, there's a park up in St. Cloud. It's a family that, uh, oh, it's, it, they have a huge flower park up in St. Cloud and 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 I always was admired that because they they just were so passionate about making that a, a destination, and and when we built this and we looked at the vision of of you know connecting it with trails and having bridges over the creeks and event centers and and places to have events, um, it was so much important for me to have uh, the beauty because the beauty's there the beauty's automatic it's just but then you have to maintain it. And, you know, you mentioned Josh, but Kim and Nancy, yes. uh, those two ladies uh, do an incredible job, and they continue doing an incredible job. And it doesn't matter if it's the little flower plot out by the highway or if it's the tulip bulbs that are coming up in whatever flower bed we have. I mean, the place is just uh, pretty neat. And it'll just keep going all summer. That's the neat thing about it. Yeah. It's, it's a great team. And Kim Myers and Nancy Burgess have been with us for a very, very long time. And they have cared for this place for a very long time. And now we have two newer people, um, Zach and Garrett. And Garrett's kind of really doing some great things with the grounds too. And it's just a it's a great team and Josh is leading it. And you walk around here and it's just beautiful. So On that same note, I was curious, how many folks do you employ uh, across the board when it comes to Chancaska because you've got so many things going on, whether it's distillery, winery, event center, the actual um, groundskeeping, I mean, just distribution, sales. You have so many different irons in the fire. I haven't really counted, but, you know, we have... Um, full-time full time is probably, what, about 15? 15, and then um, 40 to 50 part-time people. Yeah. Um, so it's, and, and here's the deal though. We still need more. <laughs> Don't we all right. these days? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we still struggle with, I mean, we have a great full-time management staff, but we still struggle with our part-time staff and finding people to come work here. Are you still looking for a tasting room manager? I know that, uh, we, we know Kelsey, so. So I just uh, promoted and hired a new tasting room manager today. Whoa, oh, there yes. you go. Well, um, here we go, folks. Yes, so <laughs> Chandler. Live action. Yes, this live is action. live today. But Chandler <laughs> Meyer is our new tasting room manager. He has been with us for three years. He started as a tasting room staff, went to... Um, sort of a spirits bar coordinator, then assistant tasting room manager. And today I um, had a long conversation with him, and he is now our tasting room manager. So we're very, very excited that it's someone from internal who knows about us and knows our business 
and is excited. And so we feel really good today. And Kelsey Long is now our marketing coordinator. And I know that she's very excited about her new position. And to me, it's a blessing. You know, Kelsey's been with us for 10 years and has done an incredible job. And, but, uh, you know, she was ready to move on to something else, but didn't want to leave this company. And we didn't want her to leave either. And so it just sort of fell into place. And her background is marketing. And already she's doing a great job. And, and so I, things are falling into place that way. That's so, awesome. Yeah. You know, when you run a, uh, an operation, obviously the people that come work for you, um, most of them, um, the vast majority of them feel like family, you know, so it's, oh. it's tough. You know, they, they come, they leave, they transition, they move into different positions. It's got to be pretty cool, almost like, you guys feel like your parents sometimes of um, all the time uh, of these of these people <laughs> uh maybe sometimes you think oh well we already did that thing we already <laughs> were parents but now we're parenting uh in a more professional manner but does that um is that enjoyable for you in a way but also stressful just like parenting or do you I, I mean to add i think on that front i think it's both and um i mean one of my greatest joys is being a parent to my, our two kids, but it's also a big stressor too. Not so much anymore, but you know, it is. Um, and I think I feel that same way about the staff here. Right. I'm very much a, a parent and, but I consider them family. I've learned to try not to be so hurt when they move on. Cause that was hard for me early on. I mean, I got really, hurt and upset when people moved on, but now I've learned to be more mature and that, um, you know, they're, they're a part of our history and they're, they're just a part of our life here, but it's okay that they moved on. And I, I'm okay with that now. It's better to be invested than not invested, right? right? It's better to have that baseline emotion than the opposite. But I took it so personal initially and, you know, Kent's helped me learn not to do but, that. But so. the, the fun side of it, which I've experienced actually in my real job, um, <laughs> was the ability to nurture young people to management positions and then empower them to take a company to a greater level. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, that's hard for a lot of owners to do. They love to be on top of things. They love to be in control. And control's good. Um but at the same time, if you've got uh, uh, great talent and you have the ability to, uh, to leverage that, um, things can go really in a great place. And, and that's what I'm really proud of with, with our company, Schwickert's. Uh, I wanted, so I wanted to lead into that next, so I'm glad you, you uh, bridged that over but, to but that, that's a, that I just want to make the point, it's not about Schwickert's, it's about a management style, mm-hmm. and that's how important it is to, to believe in people, give them tools, give them the opportunity to fail, show them how to, you know, talk through, how did I make that mistake, and what, what did you learn from that, so they'll never do it again, or hopefully not, but... Um, that's one thing. It's a good feeling to see young people yeah. thrive. And that's one thing I'd say that Kent taught me. As a as a manager, he said, "It's your job to make them the best they can be." 
and that was that really resonated with me and it's like oh yeah it's it's on me to help them be the best that they can be and that that was you probably didn't know that did you but I do listen sometimes. You do, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for what was going to come out of his mouth on that one. It's usually, it's usually the husband trying to convince the wife that, that <laughs> yeah. they listen, so that was funny. Well, you got to realize she did a role reversal and it wasn't planned. <laughs> it's good. It, it is challenging to, man- it's challenging to manage people, you know, and, and you absolutely can take multiple different routes at it, but typically um, I think... That when you are the person, when you are in charge, when you're the the lead the lead dog, if you will, it's it's easy to come at it from an authoritarian type of mentality because you feel that's what you need for them to respect you. But like as Kent was saying, um, the little bit of experience that I have over the years, and we'll talk more about you and your your um, other uh, career, Kent. Um, what I have learned myself is more often than not, I'm more successful in managing our staff and what I do when I tell them, what can I do for you? you know, how can I help you grow? Yep. What can I answer for you? How can I help you through this? Instead of dictating or telling them what I need from them. And it's hard because you do need things from them, but you find that once they, it's this weird vibe about once they realize that you care and you give a shit about them, they work harder for you than yep. they ever would before. They'll work hard for you if you, dictate as well but for a shorter period of time and for and kind of almost in spite but it's fun to see this the switch flip for sure when you empower um and you give them the tools and uh, you reward them Mm -hmm. um it's just amazing to see what things can do it's a different kind of respect they give you you're really work it's a collaborative effort i mean you're really working together it's not a parent-child relationship anymore it's a we right me and you Right, but they'll run through walls for you if they feel that you actually. And I'll run through walls with them. Amen. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's what it's about. It's it's really an art, I would say, and it's hard. It's hard, and it's. I I think we're always improving on that. But, um, Kent, I want to talk about your position. Um, previous to, I mean, you still have the position here, um, but um, outside of wine, your current role, um is president of the National Roofing Contractors Association. Mm, no. No? As one of your roles? No, no. Actually, it was. Um, it, well, it was, it was a, let me just clarify. Yeah, let's go back to Schwickert's. Let's okay, go back yeah. to that whole I mean, situation. No, I'm just trying to help you out because, yeah. because I, was, I was the chairman of the National Roofing Contractors Association, which is really just a, a role that is for one year. And so it's a position that you work up to, you go on the board of directors, you get to the chair position, then you kind of they put you out to pasture, and game is over. <laughs> so it was a nice it was a nice opportunity because I got to you know represent the the roofing contractors of America and right. got to travel around the world, and that was pretty neat. Um, but that that didn't pay one penny. Uh, it it was a volunteer. It's a position. volunteer role. Okay, got yeah. it. But a coveted role. I mean, it's an Very important role. role. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Well, let's let's talk about Schwickerts. Let yep. me backtrack. Um, let's talk about the beginnings of of Schwickerts, how that began, and and uh, with yourself and your brother, yep. Kim. Um, well, it goes way before that, right? It goes to your grandfather, your grandfather, right? Yep. Can you talk about the history and kind of how that sure. began and and how that's established? Kind of bring us up sure. to today. My grandfather George uh, started Schwickert Hardware. 
in a town called Janesville, Minnesota, in 1906. And uh, within a few years, he realized that Janesville wasn't the happening place, and so he moved the company to Mankato, Minnesota. The metropolis of Mankato. That's right. <laughs> and uh, fast forward a hundred and some years, Schwerkitz has gone from a hardware store, which was at one time uh, probably one of the largest hardware stores in southern Minnesota, which was something to be said for. But then we evolved from a hardware store into commercial contracting. We did uh, mechanical furnaces, air conditioners, boilers. Uh, we did commercial roofing. And... Um, and today, Schwerkertz is a uh, is a company that's about a sixty million dollar company, and has offices in Minnesota and uh, Kansas, um, and um, is part of Tecta America Corporation, which I'm fortunate to be one of the founders of, which is somewhere around a billion dollar corporation, and the largest in the country. Tecta America. Tecta America. And and so that was established by yourself and how many others there's nine companies there was 27 individuals that in uh, the year 2000 actually we we started meeting in 2000 i'm sorry 1998 right around the dot-com era and there was a there was a lot of uh, movement in wall street of creating um roll-ups and these were companies where they would take uh, large regional companies from around the united states they were usually family-owned they put them together and they'd create what they call a poof company and they take them public and everyone made a bunch of money. And uh, typically what happened is they were overpaid, they overpaid for the companies and the companies ended up getting slaughtered on Wall Street. And long story short, that wasn't a very good move. And uh, what happened was that when we started to create Tecta, actually we were approached by several of these these uh, organizers of, of Wall Street to to be a part of a uh, a roll-up company, and um, for a lot of reasons, we didn't even like the deal makers, or we didn't like the people that they were trying to do a deal with, contractors-wise. We didn't like their mix of business, didn't like their profitability, didn't think they were a fit. And it was kind of strange because it's almost like all the stars aligned. Because what happened is that um, a bunch of my fellow board of directors at National Roofing Contractors Association at the time all kind of came together and said, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of them, but I really think this is a good idea. I really think it's a great idea how we could take um, best practices of a national company, put them together with companies, and be able to create a national company that we could use mergers and acquisitions to grow from, from and build a, a, a national company. And um, that's what we did. We sat back, we watched, we saw the multiples actually go from 15 times earnings down to about six. And we still realized that it was a good idea. So we did it. And uh, so in 2000, we created Tech to America. And uh, at that time, we were about a $126 million company. There was uh, nine companies. There was uh, 26 locations. And um, we built the company up, and then about 2005, we bought one of the, the big national companies out of receivership in bankruptcy, which launched us from 120, 180 at the time to about 500. Wow. And then uh, and, and we bought them for a good deal because we bought them out of bankruptcy. But what we did is we bought a lot of dots in the map. And um, 
you know, the, we've, we've struggled through uh, the economy. We've struggled uh, being part of uh, private equity groups because what happened in 2006 is that the company, the, uh, the ownership of the company started to age out and the majority of the company owners wanted to retire. And so we had to go find a private equity company to bring us to come in and take them out, which they did. And then we kind of ran the private equity path, and which is what we've been on. And so today we're owned by a company out of Toronto. Um, we're third, third time we've been bought. Um, I'm on the senior management team. There's six of us. Uh, and we're a, a rocking and rolling M&A company, and we're buying companies. Um, we just bought a $30 million company last week. Wow. And we got several in the pipeline. And it's, 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 a, it's an amazing company because the neat thing about the company, you know, we talk about empowerment. The company is all about um, not driving down or creating this national company like Service Master, no offense to Service Master, but national company, but actually empowering local entrepreneurs to be successful in their local markets, but have the ability to, to leverage a national company. And, and it's really worked. And we pay our people well. Um, and it's been a great success story. I mean, everyone feared us at the beginning when we did this, and now everyone wants to be a part of us. It's kind of fun to see. But uh, now we've got 92 dots around the United States. And um, like I said, there's a, a strong passion to keep growing. My role in the company is national account sales. So I get on a plane a lot and talk to a lot of people. And get to do some fun stuff. That was my next question is how often are you traveling to visit uh, accounts or areas or new uh, uh, places where you might consider an acquisition or a merger um, quite often? I'm not doing much M&A, um, merger and acquisition work. I'm, I'm on the, I, I'll be brought in. Like we bought a company that's a $170 million company last year, which was a big shot in our arm. And uh, I was brought in to not, I, I was brought in to... Serve wine? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's important. No. No, I was brought in he to... He does bring wine just, wherever you go. Be, should. Just because of my national account role in the company and to, to... I knew most of the players of the other company that we bought anyway. So it was really about having a set of eyes on the company and to learn more about the company and see how we could work together. Right. Um, but are, we have a we've got a pretty... A thin team at the corporate level that does the the M and A stuff, and they're very good at it. And so, we um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. But I, I think I lost but your question. He's 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 traveled a lot. Oh, travel that's through right. you know <laughs> I do a lot. through through the years, and you know that it that's been good and bad, and depending on when it is. But COVID, um, he didn't travel. And he became this sort of new person. And, I mean, you did. And he was making pasta and (laughs) making bread and cooking and all this stuff. And, but spent, spent a lot of time with his family. And if you ask our son, Ian, he said the best thing that happened to our family was COVID because of the time that he got to spend with you and, new yep. relationship yep. so well and a lot of our friends i mean we were yeah 
I, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on this or not, but mm. we were the Sunday fun day place to be on during uh, even COVID. Yeah, even when we were supposed to be not <laughs> hanging out, we did. <laughs> Amen. But I travel a lot. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on the road probably three out of four weeks. And they're not long stints. It's, you know, two or three days. Um, it's good for our marriage. <laughs> there you go. That's good. You know, what? who offers the best travel rewards? Uh, you know what? My, my life on the road kind of sucks. Does it? It really does because I'm just kind of a seek and kill kind of guy, even when I shop for Christmas. I mean, I, I get there, I do my business, and I get the hell out of there. I don't have a lot of time to even appreciate no. where I'm at. I mean, I stay at hotels by the airport. I don't sleep very well because the planes are taking off all the time. <laughs> But it's the whole mission about, and it's ever been, ever since the beginning when I started traveling a lot, it was really all about getting home so I could be with the family because it was, you know, if anyone's going to take the pain of me traveling, it's got to be me. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. It makes sense. Wes, do you have a question? Yeah, I was curious. You know, you talk about mergers and acquisitions and growing through that process. And you also talk about the beginning process of deciding that it made sense to start this company together. Uh, As kind of a business nerd myself, I'm real curious, what were the systems and processes that you guys identified that made the sense to do the original mergers with the nine different companies like could you give an example of some things that just really made so much sense that it it made it an aha moment yeah we should do this well there there's a there's some there's some serious pickups in money when it comes to uh critical mass Mm -hmm. biggest one is insurance um there's also you can you can use lots of other things you can leverage you can leverage manpower Mm-hmm. I mean, let's take example. Um, Schwickerts is from northern, is from the northern part of this country, and we have offices in Florida. And you got a hurricane and Shazam. What do they do at, at Schwickerts in the winter? They lay their people off. Now they get to send them down to Florida and fix buildings. And sure. so you're you're using your capacity, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. There's there's a lot of things you can make a long list over about what's a benefit of it. But for us, the benefit more than anything was the chemistry. It was the people that we were putting in the same room together. Um, we, we were pretty unique in the fact that we went 18 months. It's kind of bizarre, but we went 18 months. Once a month, we traveled to Las Vegas. We were there for two or three days. We met the entire time. You know, some people did gamble. But all we did was <laughs> talk about our businesses and figure out if we all fit together. And if this made sense. Yeah. And even when the multiples went from 15 down to six, after looking at that and thinking, my God, this isn't financially that great of a deal anymore, we still thought it was a good deal. It's still not a good deal. It made sense. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. I, um, you know, we were talking, I think, to Taylor Corp with Charlie Whitaker on an episode a few few episodes ago. And they were talking about how with their mergers and acquisitions, they're buying these companies and they just owned them. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of synergy. The The merger part of the acquisition wasn't really, didn't seem like it was gelling. Um, and he talked about how a large part of his role was finding ways to better integrate those acquisitions into the larger picture. And so I didn't know how much of like you individually as Schwickerts, 
would you actually send people down to Florida? And it sounds like you would. It sounds we like have. it's really a true integration in that sense. Oh, sure, sense. we have. And, and, and um, you know, that's why we have an office in Kansas. Um, I mean, Schwickerts right now does work in all the way down to the tip of Texas. Um, they're doing a project in Alabama. Um, with Tecta, there was, uh, there was a stint there where when I was on the Tecta Board of Directors, um, uh, we bought this company called General Roofing, which was our biggest competitor, and and we had a bunch of dots we had to fill out, figure out how to take over and who's going to manage what, and one of them was Tampa, and I said, I'll take it. I'll, yeah. I'll take it, and we did, and we ran it for four years just because we wanted to figure out a way because our challenge was the fact that um, – we were very limited on our capacity because of the weather. Makes sense. Yeah. So your role with Tecta is national sales. Yes. Uh, do you have a role still with Schwickerts? No. Okay. No. Nope. Uh, nope. I, um, I, uh, my office is there. Um, I work with Schwickerts a lot because they're one of our biggest horses in Tecta. And so some of my bigger and more complex national accounts, I'll uh, rely on them in areas where we have no dot. We have a lot of, it's a big country, believe it or not. You know, part of my, part of my role in tech was also to develop strategic partners around the United States and Canada, because when you're running national account sales, you got to be able to be benefit, a benefit to your client in the whole country. And when you don't have an office in Salt Lake or Boise or, wherever, or Saskatoon, I gotta go find it. And so I got friends in all those places. Where the heck is Saskatoon? Does, am I the only one that doesn't know where <laughs> Saskatoon know is? <laughs> Saskatoon's in Saskatchewan. Oh, okay. There we go. It's in I Canada. North. I, I had to, you, you set me up for that. I had to ask. <laughs> Saskatoon. <laughs> I spent uh, two nights in Saskatoon. Um, it was a me- very memorable because when I... <laughs> You know, Saskatoon doesn't have a very big airport, and now comes my bag, and it's all, like, completely wide open, <laughs> and, and everything is sprawled all over the place, and I'm going, shit. And believe it or not, I had Even to your little Saks underwear from Jay Long's? Right. Oh, okay. like they that. were? There we go. And they were covered in maple syrup. Well, actually, what happened was that Delta was very good at doing a good job of taking duct tape and wrapping around it, but my... <laughs> So then I had to go around Saskatoon and try and figure out where am I going to buy luggage. And I found in downtown Saskatoon, the biggest department store was Sears and Roebuck. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so I was shopping in Saskatoon that there night. There we go. Saskatoon. Oh, my God. What a name. It's good that oh the kids were named before he traveled to Saskatoon, because I have a feeling he <laughs> loves that name and say it. <laughs> Ian would have been Saskatoon. Oh. Saskatoon uh, Schwickert. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I hope the whole city's listening, by the way. <laughs> they are. Currently, <laughs> uh, you mentioned before uh, Jane that during that time that your family, or you know, according to Ian, and and it sounds like yourself that that was one of the best uh, times for your family was when COVID happened. As far as uh, Kent being home, Daddy being home, do some cooking. Daddy being home. Daddy being home. Yep. Uh, to do some cooking and to be present and all those things. Um, so, is there possibly? I'm just gonna shoot this out there, shot in the dark, um, a possible business venture to add to the, uh, the brands here of like Kent's pickles. Um, oh, maybe, knew that was maybe pickles by Kent, uh, maybe, uh, let's see. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. So, uh, well, Kent, Kent's pickles are very coveted. 
I, I've, so, so I've heard. So is there anything you want to share on that, Kent, about your pickles? I know you can't probably share the recipe. Uh, the main ingredient is probably love. I know you're going to probably say that, but anything you want to share about your I mean, you have future to sh- pickle business? You have to shout out to your, you know. <laughs> My your pickle other, team? Your pickle team. Yeah. <laughs> so I got uh, Dave and Nick Patterson mm-hmm. and Rhonda Else, who's our, our rookie well, she of the was, year. She was the rookie. Rookie of the year. Yep. yep. And then, well, I'm uh, part of the team, too. Well, you're just in charge of Bloody Marys. I just drink. <laughs> There's got to be that person, too. I don't do the pickle. That would I don't be my do role change. Shit. I just, yeah. like, make me a Bloody Mary, and I'll yeah. sit there and watch y'all. No, you know, the story behind the pickles is kind of funny, because I was kind of a kind of devious the way I pulled it all off, because back in the day, when I came back from college at the University of Minnesota, I was the junior racing coach at and then they called it Mount Cato. Well, it's Mount Cato now, but it was before Ski Haven. Ski Haven, right? Yeah. So anyway, I would um, I loved to ski race when I was a kid, and and still loved to race or not race, but ski. And we were uh, uh, when I came back, they asked me to be a ski instructor, but they asked me to be the ski racing coach. And so I did. And um, every weekend, we'd have to take all these kids. I had 60 kids on the team with the parents. And at the time, I was single. I hadn't even met Jane yet. But uh, we, <laughs> I'd have to organize all these parents. You know, okay, you're in charge of potato chips, and you're in charge of buns, and you're in charge of pickles, and da-da-da-da-da. And at that point, I discovered who had the best pickle recipes. And then I had to... F- Nuzzle up to the best pickle mother and get that recipe. <laughs> Who had the best pickle recipe? That's still top secret. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know She's this. so curious. I don't didn't go. even know I didn't have to story. sleep with her. I just <laughs> know that I... <laughs> Liar. That's good. No, it's true. Yeah. You okay. did have to right, play right, Where's right. the Pickle? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Too easy. Boy. <laughs> it was. This is the Get Deep podcast. You have to remember, right. Kent. <laughs> This is not. Uh, I never knew this story. Yeah, so, so, so I actually, know what mom, you came on to, no, to get the, her pickle. I'm not going to make that public. <laughs> Shit. But uh, um, I can tell you that uh, it was a, a collaborative effort to find the, <laughs> the best pickle. It's a good way to put it. And uh, we, uh, we, I think we achieved it. Oh, he's got the best. And Kelsey, I believe, is kind of, she's clamoring right now, wanting to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, um, I have to admit, she's lobby. the one who gave me the information to ask you about pickles. <laughs> I maybe piece that together. I have an inside source. Um, I now I I do really have um, a curiosity about them. So I don't I was know. Just gonna say, are there some on the property? Can we can we try some? Of these? No, they have a pickle lady that they buy the cucumbers from, and then can we have the whole process and. Yeah, you don't want to be in the kitchen when we're making pickles. I was going to say, you do um, this at home, though. You, you yeah, do your yeah. own, yes. your, yep. your pickling and your canning and we everything else. We have the cleaning crew or scrubbing the pickles, yeah. the cucumbers. And then, we, you know, Kent's very anal and has a process. And so the jars are all laid out, and, and there's a whole process. And you can't deviate from that process. Oh, it's called a recipe, Jane. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's good. Okay, honey. So, stay consistent. <laughs> okay. You just keep serving those Bloody Marys. He's got the pickles right. down. You I know? mean, you know. Is there any desire uh, to expand that outside of just a passion and, no. and, and deliciousness for your family and your friends and no. whoever? No. no. Okay. Okay. But if you want a share. jar, I'll be happy to share it with you. Know, you know, I would love a jar. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just let's be clear. So when Kelsey listens to this, Kelsey will be involved in the making of the next <laughs> pickles. Do you hear that, Kels? So stop <laughs> whining. You'll get there. You got to I didn't know it. she was whining. Well, oh, she was. That's my words. She's whining. That was my yeah. words. So I, I added that. But uh, what else do you like to, uh, to cook? Are you also a, a connoisseur of any other type of things that you like to cook or bake or oh i, I don't bake <laughs> i don't bake i'm really shitty at bread but i keep trying um i like to grill i like to to make challenging recipes um it's really fun to travel and when you travel you get to experience a lot of different things and from there you learn and then you keep experimenting you know uh, the 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 whole thing of having a phone and an app and on that one of those apps happens to be recipes. Mm-hmm. Boy, that that's kind of cool. You know, if for a guy that likes to eat, it's kind of fun yeah. to have that going on. He's a really good cook. So he- well, I, I mean, I, I was the youngest of four um, uh, by about seven years. And so I was at home a lot with my mom and dad growing up because everyone was out of the house. And so, you know, when you're 15 years old and you want to eat – uh, and you're waiting for your mom to get dinner ready, well, you can either be part of the solution or part of the problem. So if I was part of the solution, I could oh, help Lord. make food. Okay. Let's talk about that statement. Because okay. if you talk to our kids, they'd say, you know, what have you learned from your dad? We'll either be part of the solution or part of the problem. That's a good <laughs> life motto, though. If that's one thing your kids that's take all away, they I like that. <laughs> Do you want to be part of the solution or part of the problem? <laughs> well, there's a lot of people that bitch about life. That is true. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, so that's good that that statement got in there. That's a good quote. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking future tram stamp, Kent. What do you think? What? Bottom, of the, <laughs> bottom of the back? Yeah, Kent part seems... Of the solution. <laughs> Kent yeah. seems like a tramp stamp. He doesn't even know what that is, It's, a lower, it's a lower back tattoo. They call it a tramp yeah. stamp. Uh, he, no. Do you no, know okay. he's not no. that cool? He has no idea oh, what that is. Oh, he seems pretty cool. No. Pretty cool. Okay. No. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kent, you mentioned uh, cooking. Um, well, really, traveling impacted you and your interest in cooking. For both of you, uh, is there any destination that's been really impactful on you, whether it's cooking or otherwise? Besides Sask- Saskatoon, <laughs> yeah, probably Italy. Italy, yeah, okay. yeah, without a doubt, Italy. I mean, we've been to Italy several times. And I think we're planning on going back in October. Um, Italy is is. I, I've told several people that Italy is heaven. Yeah, and well, is uh, there it's a part of Italy that you're speaking of specifically? I haven't seen it all. You know, uh, we've we've been to a lot of Italy, and I think it's just the unique thing about Italy is just so simple. And beautiful, and food and wine. Time. Food and wine. Well, yeah, but yeah. even even their food is simple. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's not complex. It's simple, and it's a lot to do about how you know the Italians have have grown through life, and you know, simple things like how do you make pasta? It's just flour, flour, egg, and water. Yeah, you know, very simple things. We asked uh, another, I, I would call him a world traveler. He goes, he goes a lot of places. CJ where his favorite was, and, and for both him and Sarah, it was Italy. 
Yeah. So it seems, uh, especially him, he's in the food industry, but <laughs> yeah. it seems like that's a common answer for a lot of folks. I know it's on my list. I don't know, Jones, have you... Uh, Not been there yet, but it is on the list as well. So yeah. You know, France is... France, everyone has a bad rap for France, but, you know, get out of Paris. France is a really cool country. Yeah. Um, New Zealand is amazing. Um, there's, there's, This world is full of lots of fun places to go to. Yeah. And we haven't even... Scratch the surface. No, we got a lot of, lot to do yet. Yep. Yeah. Jane. Oh. Oh, baby. <laughs> so, what did uh, what did, what dirt did Kelsey give you? Well, she she's definitely uh, you know there's a few things I already knew, but it's it's helpful to have inside sources, of course, of course. But uh, so there's murmurings of a really interesting book that might be uh, coming out and possibly the future <laughs> that you want to write, whether this takes another six months to launch or maybe 16 years, whatever, you know, there's, there's some writings that are happening behind the scenes in, in Jane's life about uh, the winery, right? Yeah. About your experience in the winery business, which I will absolutely read when that book comes out <laughs> if ever. So do you want to share a little bit about the inspiration uh, behind um the book that you might write, um, I know there's stories galore that uh, sounds like you could share. I, I should probably just interrupt and tell you how Jane got this job. Okay. It, it, it's kind of... Okay. It, I want to know about the interview process. <clears throat> the, oh, no, was no. <laughs> it wasn't planned. Trust me. Okay. I mean, we were, uh, we were... The business plan didn't really have me, other than being involved, it didn't have me... Uh, being hands-on it didn't have Jane hands-on at all and we had planned on hiring a a qualified winemaker and a qualified general manager to run the business which we did which we did and it was unfortunate but we had a a young woman who who took on that role and we due to some mental health issues she didn't quite work it out and uh, Jane literally had to go in in the middle of the game in the fourth quarter during the first, second week that we were open with no experience and take the reins and run. I'll just shut up and let her finish. Yeah. So that was not my intention and not my goal and not anything I wanted. But, you know, I was in this, so I needed to do this. And but I only I I did it on a temporary basis. So I came in and kind of righted the ship as best I knew how, and then you know kept going. And somehow, um, then it's like, well, maybe I I don't even know who suggested it, but maybe I should stay in and, and do this. And so I did, and I became the general manager. But that was not at all my plan. And I didn't feel very confident in it. And um, I learned a lot. And I remember one of the first um, major moments was, so we have a wine club. And it's, you know, over a 1,000 people wine club. And I was just coming into this position, and we had our wine club pickup. And it was down here in the production area. And 
now, you know, I'm in charge of this and I'm still trying to learn our software system and our POS system and all that. And I'm like learning by fire and Kent's out of town and I'm trying to orchestrate this whole wine club pickup. And it was down in the production area. And I'll still, we had lines, I don't know, everywhere, like out the door, up the steps, everywhere. And Kent came home from wherever he was, wherever he was at. He came in and he's like, oh my God, like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, just stay away. I'm dealing with it. I'm doing it. And, and I mean, we got through it, but it was, it was a very stressful time. And, you know, I just came, I came in knowing nothing. And I learned a lot. And I had a lot of, I had a lot of doubters. I remember one gentleman at a function that we had out on the patio come up to me and and say, so you're the general manager? And I mean, he was a friend. He was a colleague. I said, yeah. He's like, do you have, do you know anything about business? And at the time, you know, I was taken back. I'm like, well, wow. That, I mean, I said, no, I, I don't have a lot of experience in business, but I know people and I know processes and you know so that's how I'm going to proceed and and I'm glad I I said that but it really took me back and it's still frustrating to me because people doubted me and and I remember one time at the tasting bar and this was I mentioned her earlier and her name is Annette Macbeth so I hope she listens but um and she was the director of nursing at the hospital and was my boss and she went through the meningitis outbreak with me and everything and she came to the tasting bar and I went up to her and we just started talking and I said Annette I don't know I don't know if I can do this like I'm I like how like this is not my deal I don't know how I'm going to do this and she just looked at me and she said Jane you are a professional you know processes, you know people, you know quality control, you know all this from your experience, you're just in a different venue. You're just in a different profession. You're not in nursing, but you're in something else, but you have all the qualities. And she just looked at me in the eye and she said that to me, and that that changed everything for me. I'm like, okay, I can do this. That's what I did. So what about the book? Oh, the book. Oh. Well, I went way I love, off tangent. No, right? no, no, no. This is that all was part great. Of, this is all part of the story. I, my, my question Sorry. was going to be, <laughs> so when's the wine coming well, out? That's named the, book's the, Macbeth. <laughs> the Macbeth. The Macbeth. It should, right? It should be a delicious wine, yeah. you know, with lots of confidence. Okay, so character. my book, I'm sorry, I went way off tangent. No, I'm, you don't have to apologize. Thanks for bringing me back into We're it. We're all Ken. about stories here. Um, the book, so every... Every time something happens here, every situation, every, like, I'm like, oh, my God, that's going in the book. And I do, and I have a file. I have a file. Because there have been a lot of experiences here. And not great ones. There has been some really great, really good ones, but not so great ones. Oh, yeah. Like, 
like off the chart kind of shit. When right? you're when you're in the hospitality business, shit goes sideways right. daily. Right, you see it every day. Then. And that's oh, one yeah. of the, that's one of the things that I mean. Most of my professional life, I was in the healthcare field. Right, mm-hmm. I dealt with people in life and death situations. Right, serious, serious. And then, but I have this. never had people treat me yeah. the way they do in hospitality. I've had people snap their fingers at me. I've had people um, be awful to me and then come back to me and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were Kent Schwickert's wife. I'm like, what the hell? What does that matter? Like, you don't treat people like that. And so I've never, ever dealt with that. With that. Like, I've, I've... I've dealt with people in in dire situations. And I remember one of our staff members saying to me, there is no such thing as a wine glass emergency. And so that's what I think about now. There is no such thing as a wine glass emergency. If you need to stand here and wait for five minutes for a glass of wine, be thankful. Be grateful. You're out. You're in this beautiful place. If you need to wait a little bit, be thankful. There is no such thing as a wine glass emergency. I like that. Maybe that should be the title of the book. (laughs) It might be. (laughs) Maybe it is. (laughs) I was going to say, similarly, similarly, um, I've had, this is fun for me, I've had uh, people come up to me when I'm at Zan's, the family restaurant, and say, well, I I know Rick Otto. He's he's a really good friend of mine, and he's going to be hearing about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I go, really? Did you did you know he had a son? <laughs> I go, oh no! Well, yeah. and, so and that just, and that it's happens. Just crazy. Isn't and, they, it? well, and COVID you know, has taken it to a new level. Oh, and it's, staff it's will, absurd. You know, staff will hear. Well, I know Jane and Kent. <laughs> And, um, you know, and it's like, well, what does that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. Mm-mm. It just doesn't. Yeah. Just be a kind person. Be kind. It's not that hard most of the time. People can have bad days. We all have bad days. Yep. We can maybe be a little short and, uh, and whatnot. But I, I get, think people forget that. And I don't know if right. that's what we lost in the COVID time here, where it's like all of a sudden this, you went back out, and I think there was an initial for the first few months once things opened up of of great of graciousness and like really but then exciting it ended. people. And, and then I feel that? like it went back to what it was, but then took a step down into hell. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like it yeah, took I us, do. it took two or three steps down towards the bottom, almost an expectation, or I don't know if people are just unhappy with their lives or what the scoop is. I don't I don't get it. But there's just a little more rudeness in the world than. It, there needs to be. And, and I'm, I'm still trying to understand that because I thought that too. I thought once we came out of COVID that people would be so grateful and, and so just appreciative to be out, but it was the opposite. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's like be thankful that these people are here showing up to work because we have a lot of people not showing up to work. So, you know, be grateful that these people are here and that we're offering this and that we're still open. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of businesses didn't survive. Yeah. 
So I, I get a little heated. Sorry. Well, Shut up. I don't want to dwell on the negative by any nope. means. And this doesn't mean that you have to tell a negative story, <laughs> but it would be fun. Again, hospitality to hospitality. If you have your craziest story at your fingertips, just to share maybe a nugget of what might be in the book. Boy, um, I'm putting you on the spot. Well, I think, I mean, I think my most significant story is when I was helping, and I think I mentioned this when I was helping behind the bar. Um, so I try. I'm the general manager, but I still I can pour wine. I know how to work the POS. I do everything, and so when it's needed, I'll go behind the bar, and. So I was helping. It was very, very busy. And a woman came up to me and and was demanding things and was very, very rude. I accommodated her. And I did everything and was nice and accommodated her. And it was maybe five. And I don't even know. I don't even remember who it was. And it was maybe five minutes later. And the woman came up to me. I was still behind the bar and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea you were Kent Schwickert's wife. And at that moment, I thought, well, now I really don't like you (laughs) because it doesn't matter who I am. You don't get to treat anybody like that. Right. And that's how I feel about hospitality. So, And that's how actually how I act about as a general manager so I'm very much about the customer, but you don't get to be that way to my staff. And I'm very, I'm very protective of that. Yeah. We've thrown people out at Zans that have yep. sworn at our staff. And we yeah. said, listen, we don't tolerate that. It's get out okay. of this restaurant. So, and I've yeah. kicked people out. Um, we had a group come down here to the barrel room and swore that they had reservations down here and... All this, and I was like, well, we don't take reservations on here. You don't have it. Anyway, it was this big ordeal. And they made a couple of my staff cry who were crying in the dish room and all this stuff. And so I came down here. I said, you all need to leave right now. And our winemaker at the time, Mike Drash, was standing next to me. And he was sort of just standing there watching me. And I said, and I was like, you all need to leave. This is not okay. You can't make my staff members cry and you need to leave right now and i remember mike our winemaker like wow like you're pretty tough james <laughs> like well yeah you just you can't treat people like that of course it's not okay yeah so anyway yeah it's true oh. you can't treat people like treat people like that no you can't um i i had so when I'm sitting here, I just, I'm looking around, right? And I've been on the grounds many times. I walked over the bridge. I was at Caleb and Erica Laughlin's wedding on yes. the sweet ass little, <laughs> I don't know if you call it a knoll out there. What do you yeah. call that little area? The um, forest. The forest. They um, got married in forest. It was beautiful. Yeah. And I believe if I remember correctly, it was July. It was hot as balls. Hot <laughs> as hell. And she was late. And I was the event director <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Erica, girl, um, she'll probably listen, so that'll be great. <laughs> I hope um, she does. Well, she probably I was will. so mad at her. <laughs> she, she'll listen, and she'll hear, and that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, 
beautiful. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things that you guys have added on to the space here that just make me happy. You know, like obviously the event center, I recently had the opportunity to listen to, uh, um, Michael Shines and Chris Cruzy, and yeah. I can't remember for the life of me, and I feel shitty about this, but the violin player um, that was also that also joined them. But um, regardless, that event center is such a great addition to the grounds. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard it many times, but acoustically, it's really a great space for music. And I feel like there's only a handful of places that you can really listen to locally in Mankato or other places that actually have a good kind of musical ambiance to it. Um, so I don't know if you want to touch on the event center. I believe the event center was 2014. Is that 19. correct? 19. Right. Was it 19? Am I way, am I way You're off? way off. Yeah. But that's okay. You know, mistakes happen. Well, I only have two <laughs> fingers. Uh, so if you guys, you can't see because we don't have video on this, but okay, fine. I have 10 <laughs> fingers. I'm terrible. Should have done a little more research. That's okay. Anything you want to share on the event center that is exciting? Um, well, for, first question. You know, in, in, in this business, um, you know, first of all, I can say that we're very fortunate in Minnesota that we have the ability to do a lot more than you can do can do in California as a winery. As a winery, So yeah. let's, let's just take, if you were in Napa Valley right now, you'd have to prove yourself for five years to even open up a tasting room. So to, to even get to the level of where we're at, where we have a restaurant and we have two tasting rooms, spirits and wine, et cetera, and events is, 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 is a lot of latitude that's out of the norm. So what... What we realized pretty fast and, and what we kind of built the, the business plan around was events. And we had the, we had the venues, but we didn't realize that we didn't have the capacity. So when we think about capacity, I mean, we only had a, a tent that was only available from April, uh, April until, let's say, mid-October, and then boom, we're done. And then other than that, we had this barrel room. And so we realized that we needed to go to a new level and we had to build that event center. And so the, the, the ownership group got together and we talked it through and originally we were just going to do the event center and that'd be the front part would be a spirits tasting room. And they convinced us that we needed to expand on and add a tasting room to here and make that event center what it was, which was the best move. But, um, you know, I, I got to give credit to uh, Brian Paulson and, and yeah. uh, Chad Supernant and our ISG partners for uh, who those two are investors as well, but the fact that they had the vision to, to say, let's put it in the vineyard and let's make it a, a big barn and, and make it cool. And, you know, I don't think half the people in Minnesota, very few people in Minnesota have even seen what we have there, but it was really fun to see, like when we had the um, Hockey Day Minnesota yeah. event down here huge. last October where they had the kind of pre-party, and we had the, the wild people in here, and we had a lot of people from... They were from, blown away. They are like, well, where did this place come from? <laughs> and, 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 and I hope we keep growing that side of the business because events are really important for this business, and it works. Uh, how many investors are there, and can we get into any names or anything like that? Uh, I don't want to get into names. Okay. That's, no. Um, there's about uh, 20 some investors. Yeah. I was going to say, I know a, a good number just from yeah. friends, yeah. but you just. Yeah, I, don't uh, want, I don't think I want to reveal names because I don't know if that's fair to them. That's fine. Yeah. But they're, you know, 
They're I am the largest. <laughs> well, <Sure>. We are. <laughs> yeah, we are. But they, you know, they are wonderful and and needed and great supporters and it's a great way to get the buy-in too, right? Not that you obviously you have a great facility, so it's not necessary, but it's always really wonderful when you've got community buy-in and you've got stakeholders that have, you know, the hold that they do within the community. Yeah. So. I mean, when when you get third-party recognition, like for example, I don't know if you read the article in the Minneapolis uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the Mankato Free Press. They were talking about the Highway 22 reconstruction that's coming up and and uh, the the project manager from MinDOT says, you know, Chancas is a destination. Well, that that kind of validates us. I mean, yeah, that, that gives us a, that. A, good, yeah. a good feeling about what we've accomplished. Because, um, and and I've had other people say to me, you know, this is this is really a destination, or this is a this is something that um, is very unique for the Mankato area. That. Um, it's not a restaurant. It's it's just become a it's become an, a it's an experience destination yeah. experience. for sure. Yeah. Um, on a similar note, let's talk about some of the recognition that you have received in the past. I know that you are very proud of one of your most recent awards with the Barrel Gin. Uh, tell us a little bit more. I, I think Aaron and I are rookies when it comes to what the recognition <laughs> actually means and where it comes from. Well, when you're when you. Yeah, you caught me off guard with that one, but I have the answer. Um, building a brand is really hard. You know, when you start at zero in the wine business and try to get it to whatever level, whether it's 10,000 cases or 20,000 cases, there's a lot of heavy lifting. And we've done it in a lot of different directions. We've done it through being a uh, sponsor of the Minnesota Wild, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Minnesota Gophers. Those costs, those that that's... A lot of money in one place really fast and trying to get in front of a lot of people. But what we what we realized, is, or I, I felt was important, is that we, in order for us to really grow some of the business brands that we have or to really satisfy the investor group that we have, we need to figure out how to, to build these brands up. And so what we did is we created individual brands. So like the North Forest, North Forest Cream, the Ranch Road Spirits, those are brands. And Chancasca Wines. Is, is yep. a brand. And so now our next vision is oh, how do we make it broader and make it bigger? And uh, so some of the things we've had to do is we've had to go out to, to uh, national uh, magazines or podcast people or experts in the business and submit our products to have them rate or give us recognition or at least acknowledge who we are. And we've been fortunate. Our, our whiskey, our, our, our bourbon, excuse me, our brandy, our North Forest Cream pumpkin, our North Forest Cream uh, maple bourbon pecan, and just recently the barrel gin have all gotten what we would call uh, very, very high-level accolades. I mean, we're talking like top 100 spirits in the world. That's a pretty good gig for this little startup group. But that's how we're going to hit the map. And uh, honestly, you know, my vision is that for the investors is that we're going to take one of those brands and we're going to, we're going to take it to the moon. We're going to sell it and everyone's going to be really happy because that's the goal. Now, I didn't get into this business because I liked wine. I got into this business to make money. That's really, really the vision. 
Yeah. I thought it was because we liked wine. Well, we like that too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with both, folks. Right? But you can have both. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's a really heavy lift. You know, if you think about it, uh, these, uh, these big brands, um, they, every one of them has a story on how they got there. And we'll have a story too. And, and I hope we can get there because that's where we want to go. Well, Kent, if you just shaved completely and took some steroids and did maybe the Dwayne Rock Johnson vibe, you'd have the number one tequila, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's how the celebrities do right, it. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. You know, uh, tequila is a hard one. Yeah. Yeah, tequila is a hard one because you got to have the raw material. Mm-hmm. And there's a limited amount of raw material. No, I appreciate the business acumen yeah, of the thinking beauty, about it. The beauty about uh, bourbon and rye whiskey is that we can grow in our backyard, a lot of it. True. And we've got great growers from Minnesota. Yeah. I was going to say, I appreciate the, the acumen of saying, you know, we want to build a brand and sell that right. for our investor base. Yeah. I think that that's a really cool goal. Yeah. And to have that as something that you're striving towards, because I don't think the community knows it. They just really like to drink your shit. Well, <laughs> good stuff. Right? Well, we're I, don't, glad. I, don't know if, I don't know if that's the best way of putting it. <laughs> no, I like that. Just, they just like saying. to drink we our want shit. To drink their well, shit. Yeah, sorry. Maybe maybe a little callous, but you know, they like no. to dr- I love the whiskey. I like I that. Love it. So, I like to drink our shit too. Yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah, we should oh, t-shirts. Oh, pour some more wine. I like fine. to drink Chancaska mm. shit. <laughs> or I like to drink, yeah. Drinking some more shit. TTB wouldn't let us say that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably not. God. Oh Amazing. Oh, that's good. So the vision for the future, uh, do you guys have, um, I mean, keep doing what you're doing, keep expanding the lines. I know Kent just mentioned about taking one of the brands and blowing it up and, and making a lot of people happy. Um, is there a second winery no no okay there we go let's shut that down uh well not necessarily here but elsewhere you've traveled okay (laughs) there we go follow-up question on the same vein uh, i'll just give you a little nugget to work on i mean i think i think what we want to do is want to stay the course with where we're at now We, we we have yet to to plateau at all in the event side of the business covid just kind of Build it, and they'll come. Well, no, they didn't come because of COVID. Yeah. Boom, done. Sure. We have, so a, now we have that, a long way to go yet. Got a long way to go there. Um, we are going to build the business um, logically, geographically, um, with, the, with the brands that we have. Uh, we do have a, a new brand of brandy coming out that is a all-new bottle, new look, and it's really cool. And it's actually going to be not brandy. It's going to be a VS and a VSOP. So you got the scoop on that. And it's incredible. We heard it first here, folks. No, our brandy is really good brandy. Yeah. It is. And it's well-aged. It's very good. Yeah, it's been sitting around for a while. And um, Do you have an anticipated release date on that? Well, the, the challenge has been supply chain. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we started down a path with a, a, a particular bottle that was really cool looking and it's going to be an imprinted logo so the whole thing painted on as opposed to logos ah. and um cool branding move all of a sudden the the bottles weren't available because bottles come from different parts of the world yeah and they weren't available so they're gone and so and it took our cost of goods sold way up and it didn't even put a good price point on the shelf so we had to back off, start over, and that delayed us at least a year. Sure. 
So that's fair. So we got stuff going on. When it when it releases, we're going to promote that as like the number one thing that we talk about. I think that'll be fun. We do have another cream whatever you coming want. Out. Do they do they know about that? Should we tell them about that? I think you should. Probably should. Yeah, we got a new cream coming out called Espresso. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, like that just too. mix with ice and vodka, and you got a great martini. espresso <laughs> martini. And that like the, and that espresso finish just kind of goes, oh, so baby. Good. Right, All the way. no pickles on that. The, no the tail end of it, though. <laughs> no, 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 it's <laughs> not right. a Bloody Mary. Okay, I just got to make sure that Kent isn't throwing in some pickle in there. Not that I love pickles, but it would not be good on that. Mm-mm. Is there an existing brand that you already think might be the one that you want to blow up or try and and make into the big one that you sell? I think the North Forest Cream has the most potential. The maple yeah. pecan. Well, all the of them. The whole series. Yeah, the whole series. Yeah, you okay. gotta. What I mean, the thing about the the cream products is that they're they all have their own space, and you have to be focused on how to make them seasonal, but at the same time year round. Do you have a favorite sense. of that of that crew of the North Forest Cream? Do you have a favorite, Ken? Um, I do. You know, I, I really like the maple. Maple bourbon pecan. That's my favorite. It's mine too. No, I like the maple too. I like. What do you mean the maple? The maple walnut. Oh well, oh. you have to say walnut maple. Just say that fast. <laughs> <laughs> but my new favorite is going to be the espresso. Well, that sounds awesome. That really does. And I know there's the pumpa. Is it still called the pumpa? No, pumpkin. No, now it's just pumpkin. pumpkin. Okay, so it's pumpkin. Because was it because people didn't. No, totally don't even understand. get into that right now. Okay, fine. We won't oh, get into no, it. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's about positioning on the... I mean, it's just like uh, creme, and uh, you know, people don't understand creme unless yeah, you're from the Norway. K, the K, yeah. We started out with a wine-based product, and it was creme. Pumpa creme, walnut creme, all this shit. You can't do that. It has to be spirit-based. So we made it spirit-based, and it all became cream. So now it's cream. Oh, it's cream. It's not creme. It's cream. Pumpkin cream, huckleberry cream, walnut cream. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. I was venting. There's a lot of product lines <laughs> okay. that you I'm have learning. going on. Though. I'm learning. We've got uh, uh, fifty some skews. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, that's that's a ton for. Uh, and we got them in different sizes too. We got fifty mils. Oh. So if you go to Michigan right now, you can find our little fifty mil. Uh, walnut or yeah. maple bourbon pecans that are in a little drinker. We're we're selling them to gr- uh, golf uh, courses, courses. Ah, to smart. put on the golf carts in Michigan. There, that's awesome. Yeah. How many winery distilleries have that many skews at this age of how old they are as a as a winery distillery? Well, there's very few that are both winery and distillery. True, if any. I think in Minnesota, we're the first to become a winery and a distillery. There's there a winery is, brewery. That's Shram. Right. Yep. 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 Shram. Yep. We've been there. But uh, very few that are winery distillery. The uh, the idea of that came from a, a winery up in Traverse City up in Michigan because they were a distillery and a winery. And, and I, it, you know, what you're learning from is how do you benefit and leverage the same equipment yeah. in your production facility. Efficiencies, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about Mosher's for a moment. Uh, the what? The, the, the Mosher. Mosher? Is it Mosher? Mosher. Oh, Mosher. Mo, is that how you say it? Is Mosher? Mosher. Okay. <coughs> Our Mosher Vineyard or Clayton Mosher. Clayton Mosher. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a little bit. I get, we got a little bit of backstory uh, from John Taylor when he was on the podcast, yep. uh, which is very interesting. Wes and I are uh, big um, connoisseurs, or I guess the idea, 
we get very intrigued by uh, speakeasies. You know, we think that's yeah. very, very neat. And uh, so I don't know if there's something you can share about the house and the property that is currently still here and about the history of uh, the speakeasy and about the history of Clayton Mosier, uh, that he was the, the landowner. Well, he... So I'll start and then you sure, can please. talk more. But um, Clayton Mosier was the owner of the um, Chankaska Creek property that's right next to us. And he lived there for his whole life, correct? About 50 some years. Yeah. 70 years, I don't know. And um, that's who Kent approached, and he was 90 years old, and that's who Kent approached to buy that property. And Clayton knew Kent's dad, and, you know, so Clayton and my dad went to high school together. Yeah. They were at Mankato High School. So the 94-year-old man you were talking about, yeah. that yeah. was him. Yeah. Cool. And, you know, so that's who um, Kent went to to try to buy all this property and whatever. And then eventually he came back to us and said he wanted to do it. And, and one thing to note is that once that happened, Clayton was here every single day through the whole process, through the planting of the vines. I mean, he was here every day just watching and monitoring. I mean, it was very cool. And we have a picture even of uh, Clayton picking the very first um, harvest, and he was there picking. So he's a very important part of this whole thing. And, uh, in fact, he celebrated his was it a hundred his hundredth birthday here in the spirits room and we dedicated the bridge to him and it's named the Mosier Bridge. And so there's a picture of Kent and I and he um at the bridge. Um so it was very 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 special. And we have a drink named after him and everything. But he talks about a lot of history. And it was a speakeasy. And if you look at the old, at the house that's still on the property, there's a second door. I hate to interrupt, but I just want to make sure when you're coming towards the winery and you're going up that road, it's the house that you see at the top? No? No. So you have to wind down. So if you're coming into the winery. Okay. And you know where the event center is? Yeah. You drive by the event center, and okay. you wind down, down in, there. and there's the house. Gotcha. And you're left. Yeah. And that's that was his house. Gotcha. Growing up. And, um, yeah, so he there's two doors there, and he talks about how that one door was where the... The business was done. The business was done. <laughs> and the other door was for the family. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Now I don't know how many of these. I don't know how much of this stuff was real, but, well, the, but there I was also it, stories about the uh, country pub building, because the country pub was uh, owned by the same person before Clayton bought it, and the it, it, it had different names like Steak and Steak and Ale. I think was once what it was called back in the. 30s or 20s and i mean they had a farm table concept we got a picture of the, of an, uh, the old supper with chickens club. and yeah. everything running around cool. on the property 
But supposedly uh, there was in was a tunnel that came from the creek that went underneath and into the building to a, a lower room where this is what Clayton told me where they would have a little speakeasy during prohibition because mm-hmm. upstairs was the restaurant. Well, what's interesting is you fast forward when we bought the building. Um, here I am, I'm in the building. Remember I talked about ripping the copper out and the stainless steel. And I came across a, uh, a wood slat over the floor of the basement. And I started knocking on it and I was like, my God, this is kind of hollow. And I opened it up and I looked down and there's a hole underneath the basement. There's a room underneath the basement mm-hmm. of the old country pub. And we climbed down there. I remember, I think it was Ian and I or Greta and I, my daughter. <laughs> we climbed down there. It was like, ooh, you know, Ghostbusters. Yeah. And we went down there, and <laughs> we found that someone had already blocked up one end of the wall, which is the wall towards the the creek. Yeah. But there was this pretty good-sized room down there underneath the basement of the country pub. Mm. And I don't... Can't validate it, but I was told that that's where it all happened. Yeah. And they would run the booze in and out this little tunnel. They kind of had a little, um, they were on tracks, and they'd bring the, the, the booze in, and they'd get everything done, and that's how it was done. I bet your kids loved that. <laughs> well, I was pretty intrigued when I found the hole. It yeah. scared the shit out of me at first. <laughs> I grew up next to uh, Tammy Paulson's uh, parents, the Norbergs. Oh. And so that's Brown's Court. And right down the hill from both the Norbergs as well as my family Cato was the Brewery. Cato Brewery. Yeah. And so my childhood was climbing around the ruins of the burnt down <laughs> brewery. And we would find all kinds of things. I'd find old bottles that were Cato beer bottles sure. and uh, yeah. just cool history. And whenever you, you get the yeah. opportunity as a kid to do that, it feels like a treasure hunt. It's it just was. Neat. It was. Yeah. yeah. Very much so. Yeah. For sure. That's neat. I, um, Wes and I, like I said before, have had visions of, um, getting a speakeasy, uh, going up here in, in Mankato at some point. I think that'd be really neat. Just the vibe of it makes me, we might've toured a couple spaces today. We might've, um, (laughs) but just the old school, you know, having like a, you know, a doorman with a nice suit on and, and, uh, everything's really super dim. I don't know if you guys have been to, have you been to Duluth in a while? Um, no. so next time you're in Duluth, go check out the Rath Skeller, R-A-T-H, and then okay. Skeller. Uh, well, they had a Rath Skeller in Mankato for a while. Really? Yeah. Right? Okay. A long time ago. Well, there, there's a speakeasy up there, uh, right down on, I believe, Lake Street. Um, and I went to UMD, so right down on Superior Lake Street, I'm trying to remember which one, but anyways, it's beautiful. And it's in a basement. There's these stone arches that's, it's beautiful it's exposed brick it's kind of dark dingy a little creepy with like you know 1920s 30s 40s furniture down there you sit in a corner and it's it's weird sconces that are on the wall but it's so gorgeous it's really cool Cool. it's kind of like you guys it's an experience right it's a different experience for sure but that's what you try to make it right which brings me back to one of the one of the quotes that i've heard that um uh totally makes me uh, agree with, but also just what I think good business does is, is provide an experience, not just a product. And uh, I've, I've read that on some of your reviews. I've also um, uh, heard that from people too, that coming out here is an experience. And I would hundred percent agree with that. You know, there's so many little 
I don't want to say nooks and crannies, but there's so many areas on your grounds that you guys have built into what you do that uh, make it the experience that it is. I'm a huge bonfire pit person or a bonfire person. So going down to that pit and then having the Vetter stone around there with the Casota stone and all that is gorgeous to me and the smell and then, you know, just bringing people together, you know, and we need, we need more of that. So I think that's awesome. Uh, Wesley Warner, Auto. Hi. You look great. You look great, <laughs> by like, the way. He's like, I great. don't know what more to say. I just wait. <laughs> he just waits. Um, I never asked them their middle names, but that's okay. We'll skip it on this episode. We'll let it ride. But um, As long as you ask them what tree they like. Ooh. Did I just burn one of the Fast Five? Are you doing the Fast Five tonight? Oh, I heard about the Fast I heard Five. I heard you've been five. warned. And I'm a little yeah. nervous. I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah. Well, rapid fire questions. Yeah. yeah. They're not well, that rapid fire. Well, yeah. we'll go slow. You got two of you, too. So um, I have a question, if that's what you were going to ask me. Yeah, I want to know if you had... This um, is the last question that I have. I've literally been crossing them off my list because I wrote what? a bunch in advance because I didn't want to miss them. And this probably qualifies as a better Fast Five question, but I'm just curious. The people that make the best beverages in Minnesota, but probably really the United States. Um, what is your favorite wine and what is your favorite liquor? And which one do you default to? If if I was ever to run into you at a bar, which one should I order for you? And I'm I'm specifically asking about your own brands. Okay. So not, so not I, other brands. I, I mean, I can answer that. Um, so I always start my day with a white wine and end with a red. <laughs> <laughs> Let's qualify by what time. <laughs> You could have said you had the North Forest creme I th- in the I, morning. Right? I don't think there's any explanation we need from that, Kent. I think she just and I start my day. Um, so I'm, my- I mean, um, Frontenac Blanc is one of my favorite whites. So I will say that. And I always at least have one white and then I go to red. And my go-to red is the Marquette for sure. Just the, the standard Marquette or the Marquette Reserve? Nope, standard Marquette. Okay. And um, if we don't have that, it's Creekside Red. And we drink both of those at home. And that's just, that's my go-to. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I really? like our, our Yeah. I, I like our barrel gin. I don't drink. Oh, okay. So here's the deal. And I feel really bad about this. I am not a, a spirit drinker other than... I love my vodka martini, dirty with blue cheese stuffed olives, which they'll make for me up here. Um, so I love that. But otherwise, otherwise, I really don't like. I can't really do the spirits. Sure. So well, we make a really good vodka. I know we do. Yeah. I'm just saying. So I love my vodka dirty martini with blue cheese stuffed olives, and I'll do that. But otherwise, you know, wine is my deal. So. And same for you. Probably a good thing. Right. Pretty close, yeah. And I, I, I mean, everyone on staff here knows that when I walk up to the counter, they, I'll have a Minnesota Marquette. Yeah. yeah. It's such a great wine. It is a good wine. Yeah. I love it. But we've got really, I mean, the, the Creek Side Red is really good. Yeah. Our Chardonnay is good. Yeah. It depends on the mood, time of day. Yeah. Apparently for Jane, when she gets up in the morning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's at her nightstand. She's got a little chiller. No, over it's there not. Just, I, I would have taken yeah, that yeah. away from. <laughs> Some people judge it. I appreciate it. That's all. I'll say. <laughs> no judgments here. We're on oh, the Get Deep podcast. Okay. I tell you yeah. what. 
Well, you guys, it's uh, a pleasure to have you both on the podcast uh, to get to know more about your stories, obviously with the winery, but also outside of that, like where your origin stories began a little bit, your kids, uh, family business, the ups and downs, the all arounds. Uh, this is the time of the podcast we call the Fast Five. Um, you don't have okay. to answer it super fast, but... Okay, first of all, I want to just say you guys have been very kind, and this has been a good experience. <laughs> yeah, so this has you. been a lot of fun. I, so that's ahead of what you're going to give me now. Perfect. With the well, five fast. I appreciate whatever. the compliments. Okay. Usually we get sexy, but I'll, we'll take kind. <laughs> okay, you're <laughs> super sexy, too. <laughs> Thank you. Relax, Kent. You're married. It's fine. She's yours. I'm over it. <laughs> uh, you guys can... And, uh, completely answer individually uh that's totally cool so don't feel uh, like you got to answer in like a second either but maybe like five seconds uh fast five all right w- wait a minute though oh. are we answering to like together because we will have different answers yeah I'm we'll sure. ask you both well so one of you start and the other one goes okay it's all good okay uh so fast five favorite spot to make out on the grounds of the winery for you guys <laughs> oh are we answering right now well, or you can send it, you want to oh, um, you want to send it in the mail. Um, <laughs> Creekside little cove cove right there, the little sitting area in Creekside. Back in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Oh man, sounds like they've done more than makeup. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two: uh, Which wine would you want to hot tub in? If you had to hot tub and wine, complete wine. I just want, well, for you, the record, if, I if don't. If we had to get in the hot tub. We fill a with fucking hot tub wine, full of wine, Jane. Um, Chenin Blanc. Hot tub. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're, so you're, you're heating it up. You're in wine. I'm yeah, thinking of it too hard. Um, well, I, it'd have to go white because I'd be purple and then right. it's all done. <laughs> so say it. So which one would you like to hot tub? And you got to tell us the kind. Uh, Sub Blanc. Oh, Sop Blanc. Just okay. for, the, for okay. the record, I, I have no input on these questions. I just want that on the record. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I better take that, and we'll get to question number three. Hold on. We're going to refill for a second here. Yeah, would you please get Audience some wine? Pause. Minnesota Marquette here. We didn't do this earlier when we did the, uh, you know, the uh, shout-out to the it's true. drink sponsor. So usually gunk, when we're... Gunk, 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 gunk. Most people don't we do know, that every time we do the sponsor announcement. Don't know whether uh, somebody's peeing in the studio or <laughs> there's wine being poured. We're not quite sure. Uh, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so that good. sounds so good. He's a sound good man. job, buddy. He's a sound man. That's right. The um, all right. Question number three. We got uh, candy. If you were any candy in the world, okay, any candy doesn't matter. Chewy, salty, chocolatey, whatever. Jane, if you were a candy, what candy would you be and why? I would be a salted nut roll. Salty. Because I'm sweet and salty. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's overserved. Um, <laughs> bring another one. I'll be the Snicker bar. They're Snicker bar. And why, why, uh, why the Snicker bar there? Because they're, they're really good. And I have no understanding of why I answered that. Because you need one when you're hungry? <laughs> it's, he it's loves perfect, a Snicker bar. It's the so. perfect combination. That's why choice. he loves a Snicker bar. Oh, my God. There is, like, the, everything about the Snicker bar. I, I'm, I love it um, anyway. But the frozen Snicker bar, the ice cream Snicker bar, yeah, fantastic. All right, number four. Oh, so Lord. you guys obviously uh, own a winery here, 
and um, love the wines you make. That's a good, important thing to do, right? Um, but you guys have traveled a lot, and you love Napa, okay? If you had to narrow it down to your favorite winery in Napa that you've been, that you could share with our listeners, what winery is your favorite in Catherine Napa? Hall. That was quick. Catherine Hall. Do you have any reason Hands why? Hands down. It's just my favorite. The ambiance, the vibe, the product, all of the Everything, above. Everything. The artwork, the winery, the ambiance, and the quality of the wine. Catherine Hall. Hands down. A lot of our uh, designs of this winery and yeah. our, our, our beliefs, our philosophies, the vision, the grounds were centered around Catherine Hall. Hall. Yep. And, and, and that is a great winery, a great wine. Um, there's, and it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a couple that have worked their ass off, you know, much different level than we are. I mean, there. I don't want to get into all that. But, I mean, they've been very, very successful. and They've got a great, great product and a great winery and something that, um, something that we try to just strive for and, and offer to people here in Minnesota that they would never see otherwise. Can you find their wines anywhere in Minnesota? Oh, yeah. You can. Yeah. Okay, Catherine Hall, is that with Catherine with a K? Yeah, or? it is, and it, but it's Hall Wines. Yeah. Hall Wines. Yeah. Okay, yep. so you can find that at a Cork and Key or an MGM. Um, no, you may not find it there. You're going to find it probably at... Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I, I don't buy it there. We, we are the wine club. Sure, so, so you get sent yeah. the wines. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd find it at Haskell's okay. in Minneapolis or Lunds and Byerly's. Do you have a favorite type of wine that they, uh, they make there that you should look into and get? They make about <laughs> 15 Cabernets. But the Catherine Hall Red is really good. Yeah. 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 Soup's good. Okay. Uh, Catherine Hall. Question number five. Um, and maybe this is a little repetitive, but if you could be a drink, any drink, right? What's, what drink defines you? You know, let's say you left the universe tomorrow and you were left in the form of a drink. Not an animal. You're not reincarnated as a butterfly or a bird or a cricket or maybe a horse, but you are a drink. What drink would you want to be reincarnated as and, uh, and why? Hmm. That's something. Um. <laughs> she almost made me spit out my uh, Marquette here. That is an appropriate response to that question. I think I have... A morning, noon, and evening drink. So yeah, we knew you had the morning and the evening. In but the now we know in the morning, I'm a Bloody Mary. In the afternoon, I'm a dirty martini with blue cheese stuffed olives. And in the evening, I'm a Marquette. <laughs> so Lucky you, Kent. That's, um, that's what I am. That's what you are. In a nutshell. But if you had to choose one. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, if I had to choose one that's totally my being, it would be a vodka martini dirty with blue cheese stuffed olives. Perfect. Hands down. Wow. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't start drinking until 530. A.M.? PM. Okay, got to clarify. Some fishing. Um, no, I'm I'm being facetious. I you know that's a hard question. What do I want to be? Um, 
I'm I'm interested in this. Yeah, well, I don't really know what the answer. You can't to that be is. three like I was. You have to be one. Why well, wasn't even trying to be three? I just trying to figure out if one. boy, I don't know. I don't know the answer. To that oh, question. come on! You I, have to. You have to answer. We we know you wouldn't be a rip your float. No, I, I won't think. be a rip your float. And I, um, you know, when you first started talking about it, it, there was a drink that my dad always liked, and it was a. It was an ice cream drink that was really good. Mm-hmm. It had bourbon in it. And it had. Uh, it would be really good with our maple bourbon pecan with ice cream, and it was really, really good. It sounds amazing. Yeah, it, it was really good, and I cannot remember the. But that's not you. So pick, <laughs> pick one that's you. <laughs> what well, what, you do what do you think he is? Apparently, well, Jane has think- the answer to the question. <laughs> well, 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 he's thinking. Jane answered this. Well, it, well, he's thinking about it, Jane. What do you think he is? I think yeah. he is a, just a great cabernet. That's who he is. And Just a fine wine is what you're saying. Um, because that's his go-to. That's what he loves. When we travel everywhere, that's what he... I mean, he's a good Cabernet. I, I am the oddball in the crowd. You know, I was in... Uh, we were in North Carolina golfing with a bunch of guys. And, of course, everyone... We got done. We were going to dinner, and everyone had uh, a beer, I looked at the young lady at, and I said, "Can I have a cabernet?" And she looked at me like, "Dude, we don't have cabernet here." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. You're just you. I just, guess I'm a cabernet. Yeah, he's a cabernet. Do you still drink beer? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to drink beer, what would you drink? Like, what's your what's I'm your go-to? More of a light beer drinker, but sure. I do appreciate a good IPA. And but I I, I get. Too I'm a mad up butcher, on. so here's to Mankato Brewery. I Gee, love mad I like butch, mad butcher. Yeah, yeah. I just get filled up on beer. Yeah, it is filling. That's the only the only downside to beer. The older I get, the more filling it is, and and I like to keep it going for a while. So unless you're drinking party water, which is super light beer, yeah, I'm not there. Yeah. Well, awesome. I had one other thing that I probably should have asked before the fast five, but we've made a habit as of maybe four or five episodes ago of asking the current guest if they had another guest that they would recommend that we have on the show. You've been through the experience. It sounds like it's been a pleasant one. Uh, so yes, it you, has. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank I was you. Ner- I was nervous about this. <laughs> no Some people are, and you know, it, it generally goes very well. So if you know someone else that you think has the right type of story that makes sense for this podcast, we are always open to recommendations. We've got a long list ourselves, but always happy to add another name. There is maybe a slight expectation that you help us get them on if there's someone that's less than obtainable so so i feel i I mean so i'll qualify this is because i haven't sorry i haven't listened to every episode um but i would recommend sarah richards jones metal yes yep good recommendation um she is a very good friend of mine and we uh, went through elementary, middle school, and high school together. And um, she is an amazing human being and funny as hell. Super funny. She would, like, you guys would love her. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Just a little background. I, I brought, I took clients down to the Masters for five, six years in a row. And, and, uh, there was a f- couple days, Wednesdays and Thursdays of the Masters where my clients wouldn't come in yet. 
and uh, Sarah came down, and uh, she was the because she used to be a golf. She was a golf. Pro. She's a golf, yeah. golf pro, yeah. but she was the uh, the hood of the house because she was the only woman. But she stood up to every one of those guys, and these are all corporate guys that were hanging around in this house that we rented. And uh, Sarah was uh, she was the one. Yeah, yeah, she's an amazing human. You're, so. not the, you're not the first person to mention her name, by the way, as far no. as uh, to bring on. So yeah. I was at a YWCA event, and every one of the women that win the Women of Distinction tend to have these courageous, powerful yes. stories, and they tend to be emotional. And she's up there. She comes up after another emotional story, and it, it felt a little more like stand-up comedy yeah. in a respectful <laughs> way, right. you know? But it was just that, she had the whole crowd in a totally different emotion. So, But she's, great. you know, a very... Um, Pro-community, pro-women, um, just intelligent, amazing human. So, Great. Yeah. Well, we appreciate the recommendation. Thank you. I've, got, I've got a couple, too. Uh, just to put oh. uh, Tony friends and Rob Ellis. I'm sure Tony's actually applied for this position. <laughs> More than likely knowing Tony. <laughs> because he always likes to have his name in front of the camera. But... I got to say that those two knuckleheads have done a really great job building. They're uh, not knuckleheads. Yeah, they're, you're they're, just, they're my friends. As a friends, friend, you're saying knucklehead. Yeah. But oh, we can call, yeah. he can call them knuckleheads. Yeah. Like they're friends. Them. No, they're, they've done a great job building uh, an, uh, an empire of uh, yeah. real estate in this town. And, yeah. and, and promoting community. And promoting community. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and they had their own businesses. Well, another great recommendation on my list as well, too. So thank you for that. And I don't think we'll have a problem getting them on. But if we do, we'll just say that you said they had to come on now. Yeah. Well, just, you know, um, come talk talk to me. All right. We'll do. For sure. You guys are the best. We really appreciate it. I also want to say one more thank you um, to you guys for uh, being willing to take a risk on us starting this podcast. Podcasts have been around for a little bit now, but... It's still quite foreign to a lot of people um, as far as downloading them, you know, listening to them, understanding what they're all about. But um, it's been well received locally. It, it, it's it's growing organically really well. And a lot of people are pretty pumped to know that um, that when they come on, they get a chance to drink delicious spirits and wine and, <laughs> and creams from you guys. So it's, it's yeah. actually pretty cool. Um, it, it, it puts a little bit more of a legitimacy be t- behind what we do, too. So. Uh, that's on you guys. So thank you so much for that. We truly appreciate the support, friendship, and all the above. And I hope you guys had, had fun tonight. Um, wow, we did. This was kind of cool. I, I was a little nervous, but are you good? I, was, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, if you have any uh, <laughs> issues or concerns, uh, please uh, send them to Wes uh, <laughs> at um, I have a concern dot wes.com.com. If it makes it to me, I'll deal with it. But good luck with that. And if you had a great time, then please send them to Aaron Jones. Thank you guys so much. Keep doing what you're doing. It's super awesome for the community. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, please let us know. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very, very much.